In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogs. Brought to you by Brian Piccolo's number, Sir Roger Bannister and George W. Bush. Welcome into episode 41 of The Gospel Friends. I'm Chase. I'm Jody Hodido. And I'm Emmanuel. Awesome. And you will notice that uh, several of us have unfamiliar voices. Jody Hodio, otherwise known as Joshua Dean. How did you get that name, by the way? Um, I left a review on iTunes back in episode double digits, early double digits, maybe in the teens. And that's what you said my name was on iTunes. And it was. That's it what it was showed on up that way. And when I, I didn't believe you because I thought it was just my email address, which is, which is Dean Joshua. And then I went and looked, and somehow that's my iTunes name. Well, there you Jody go. Hody Hodido. Jody Hodido. That's a kind of a cool name. I'll try to remember to call, call you that during this episode. I don't know if that's a cool name. That's, uh, it's interesting. Well, guys, uh, we don't have David here. We don't have Nick here. So I'm over here running the soundboard, which I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and uh, we don't have the dulcet tones of David's introduction. Uh, it it's just could be a train wreck early on, but we will see uh, if we can hold it on the road. Um, at this point in the show, you guys are supposed to say something about my introduction, like guess what it means. Uh, I knew who one of those three people were. George W. Bush, yep. I would assume. That's yeah. It. 41st president of the United States. Uh-huh. All right. And you didn't know who the other guys were? The second name was vaguely familiar. Yeah, the second name was familiar. Brian Piccolo, the uh, running back for the Chicago Bears in the saddest sports movie that ever was created. Brian Facing the Giants? No, Brian's song. Uh, He died. He he wore number 41. He died of cancer. And uh, the movie Brian's song immortalized his relationship with, I think it was Gail Sayers. But uh, heart heartbreaking show. Oh, so you meant sad as in as in real genuine? Oh, I thought tragedy. you meant like sad as in uh, not terrible movie. No, no, yeah. it's a good movie. Good movie. Uh, worth watching. Old school tearjerker. And Roger Bannister, the first man to break the four minute mile in 1954, yeah. who wore jersey number 41 for that race. And that gets to that. So now, according to our show document, give us some contact information, Emmanuel. All right, this is my best Nick impression. Uh, if you would like to reach us, the Gospel Friends, uh, at my Gospel Friends on Twitter, uh, uh, um, at facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma or just Hall of Dogma.com, uh, voicemail 205-575-9735, or for our international, international livers, uh, SpeakPipe, SpeakPipe.com, Hall of Dogma, or is it, or is it, Gospel Friends there. I think it's The Gospel Friends. TheGospelFriends.com slash The Gospel Friends. Uh, so all of our uh, international people hit us up there because Chase has a sort of a fetish for uh, 
fetish is a strong word. I don't know. You really like foreign accents. I do love foreign <laughs> accents. That is true. So, make but, Chase's day. Thank you. We love to hear from – well, we like American listeners too, but foreign listeners are, are very, very cool. Um, you also need to give out the 1-900 number with, uh, when you're talking like that. 1-900 hot Bible. There you go. Oh. One nine hundred mix a lot will also work either way. Uh, I want to give a shout out to new listeners this week from Namibia and Angola. The prison? Uh, no, I don't oh. think so. I think the country. Oh, okay. Although uh, there is an Angola prison, is there not? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a very nice name for a prison. I actually Better have a friend a who's actually in Angola right now. He's actually not in Angola, but he's doing ministry there. Oh, I was going to say, how did he get in there? That sounds like a good <laughs> yeah. story for the podcast. <laughs> he's just there preaching. Okay, good deal. Um, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, all you got to do is search on Google for the Gospel Friends or search in iTunes for the Gospel Friends. That'll get you there. We love good reviews, and we will give you a shout-out on the air. And guys, during pre-show prep, I realized... With Nick and David not here, I can totally give you the dog story. Sweet. So here it is. Six o'clock in the morning. He runs and gets me. I run out of the room. Lo and behold, find my dog... dog, breed unknown. It was a strange looking dog. Uh, Almost a husky, not quite a husky, but the problem with the situation is... Choking our dog on the collar. Well, eventually his... shooting the big dog.
version of that. And since this story will never make the light of day, um, I guess I better go ahead and wrap Which, it up. Oh, how, how do they get with? No, really. I'm dead serious. Well, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> get close. Oh no, no, I tried to get close, but they would they would get really loud and run away from me when I tried to get close. The appropriate response was to get some kind of video recording equipment. <laughs> that totally would have been it. The iPhone, man. I, I was so stunned. door neighbor who is uh, um, a, a nice uh, lady uh, a little bit younger than us came out and she didn't know what to do either so we just stared for a while police helicopter didn't come and it all worked out eventually but that is the dog story so, and you got to hear it first here so what's the moral of the story <laughs> The moral of this story. That's the moral of the story. That is outrageous. That is the moral outrageous. of the story is just stand and watch and things are going to work themselves. There you go. Exactly. There you go. That's the you moral of the story. do anything. All right. So you call the sheriff. <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't know what to do. I was. I was in a panic. <laughs> what are they going to do? I, you know, I don't know. Come shoot somebody. I guess. No, I mean, isn't that what the sheriff said? They'll, they'll come and record it. <laughs> exactly. I wish we'd have done that. Then we would have been able to put it on YouTube, and I could have. Oh, been a you could have made some money out of that. Yeah, you probably yeah. made like five bucks. Probably oh, more man, than that. You, ad revenue. Look, you can get a lot, a lot of money. If, I mean, if you, if you get into the millions. Yeah, you can get real money. I mean, there's people who just their whole income just comes from YouTube. Yeah, the David Does Dentist video that those people made hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think I think video. the rule of thumb on the YouTube monetization is a dollar for every thousand views. That's that's roughly true. There's yeah. a lady who uh, reviews Disney toys, and she makes uh, millions just reviewing Disney toys there, on YouTube. There are people who play Minecraft and record themselves doing that and get make a lot of money. Yeah, so it's a uh, I see. That's I, I don't get Twitch. I don't. I don't get the whole recording yourself playing games and people watching it. I get tutorials. I mean, that's yeah. cool. But just playing the game and people watching it. Uh, why don't you play the game? Yeah, vicarious living. There you go, vicarious yeah. living. Just like you were <laughs> watching those dogs and doing nothing. <laughs> people watch YouTube videos and just watch. Do nothing. That's yeah. a great illustration, Emmanuel. All right. Well, other than the dog know, story, I don't know if that's sermon worthy though. Probably not. Other than the dog story, you've never on, heard me preach. But go ahead. <laughs> what's on tap today for you, Emmanuel? Uh, Israel. Why do Christians insist on supporting Israel, as brought to us by the Hall member uh, Aaron Disney? No relation. Aaron controversy Disney because I, I think almost every one of his posts generates like two hundred comments. Yeah, he hit he hits home runs. He and does, and man. he's not trying to. He's just gifted. He's gifted. He is yeah. gifted. Okay, that'll totally feed into the dog story somehow. Some way. he does in one post what Tony does in fifty. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> By the way, I like Tony. He's a good dude. Uh, Joshua, what's on tap for you? Uh, I want to discuss um, 
should Christians care about the earth and how important is that? Uh, is it is it worthy of the title uh, a new morality, caring for the earth? Um, which I would say, or I'll I'll, hold, I'll I'll wait to comment on it. But that's what we're going to. Yeah, talk don't about. give away the farm yet. Okay, should Christians care for the earth, Israel? I am going to talk about miracles. Do they still happen, and should we seek them? And what are they doing now that Smokey Robinson left? Nice reference. I'm glad you thought we were cool enough to get that, Emmanuel, because oh. <laughs> I do get that. I don't get that. You know, Smokey Robinson, When Smokey Sings, mm. I Hear Violins, Smoke, which is a song. Smokey Robinson in the, in the Miracles. Nope. Singing group voice. You guys, I'm like, I'm like kind of younger than us, aren't you? you? Okay. Well, Smokey is awesome. So that gets us to the cereal review. And I understand, Joshua, you brought the manliest cereal I have ever seen for us to review. So let's break it out and eat and give our review. Yeah, I'm going to look at I'm going to read it. It says collector's edition across the top Kellogg's Disney frozen cereal with snow and ice crystal marshmallows. It's got the whole frozen crew on the back. It's just Elsa and the other girl. Anna. Anna. Whiny, yep. self-indulgent, sold separately. <laughs> nice. I so, so have you seen the movie, Emmanuel? I am. I have not. I, I, I tried to watch it. It was just way too whiny for me. I understand. She's just like, yeah, I understand people died and she was sad, but I was just... <laughs> I wouldn't want my little girl watching that. Put it that way. Okay. I don't know if I want my little girl watching any Disney movie. Oh, that's a that's a good topic. Hey, that's a that is a good that is a good topic. Now we're talking or Veggie More Tales. Shots oh, fired. Nobody should watch Veggie Tales. Didn't you they, don't like Veggie Tales either? Didn't they re, didn't they recant of preaching a moralism in their uh, videos? No, I haven't heard this. I think there was an article out at some point where Veggie Tales creators were like, hey. It wasn't very good. We did more. You know that verse in. Well, that's good to know. And uh, here's your bowl. Thank you, brother. And Joshua, it talks about teaching things to your children. It didn't mention vegetables. It, it did not <laughs> yeah. mention vegetables. You're kind of a Bible literalist, there, aren't you? Like hardcore yeah. literalist. That's I just I don't I don't get it. I mean, I watched crap too when I was growing up. Flying House, Superbook. Yeah, Superbook. But at least there were people. Do you guys? Am I? Am I? Young enough, do you guys don't remember McGee and Me? No, I, remember I do McGee remember and McGee and Me. Oh yeah, that was where was that? Yeah, so if you if you Google VeggieTale recants moralism, Pathios has an article says VeggieTale's creator repents of moralism. Pathios is a uh, solid source for truth. I don't know. Are you being serious? No, I'm being sarcastic. Uh-oh. Although there are some people that write for uh, Pathios, like Adrian Warnock, they're very good. Most of it is. Oh, claptrap. But not all of it. Not so all of I'll, it. I'll, while you guys are eating the cereal, because I'm weird about my cereal, I actually like it to get soggy. Well, here's the thing. God here's can't my, use you. Here's, <laughs> here's my first comment on frozen like, cereal. That individual is so depraved. Total depravity right there. So oh, yeah. It, it gets that's, soggy fast. So that's one of your that's that, one of your points, huh? Yeah, I believe in that point. Matter of fact, what's worse than total depravity? What? <laughs> complete and utter total depravity. There you go. <laughs> and whatever the, it is, he's it. Any, so one of the signs of likely like soggy utter, cereal, huh? Total yeah. depravity is liking so- soggy cereal. I see that. Yeah. You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. <laughs> and the legend of the soggy cereal was way, way hardcore. Now, these marshmallows are reminiscent of the marshmallows in uh, 
Rice Krispies, whenever they put marshmallows in Rice Krispies. That's a good call. You're right. Yeah, th- th- so to give people an idea, it is the most bland-looking cereal of all time. It's, right? it, it's little squares. It's little, Are they supposed to look like snowflakes? They don't, they don't look like snowflakes to me. Hey, the box. <laughs> they look like nu- uh, well, like <laughs> nuts for like a you know for a bolt. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they do. They do look like that. That's what they. That's what they're shaped like. Yeah. And the cereal does look bland. You're right, Joshua. But it's, the box is really the box stand out. It's not manly, but it's glittery. It's got great art on it. Reflective quality. Reflective. Mm-hmm. It's really, really. It's a five spoon box. Yeah. It's Even awesome if you don't box. like Disney, it's a five spoon box. But yeah. I don't eat cereal for the boxes, so uh, it, it, it'll it's, it'll it's get a buy. I, I appreciate good marketing, though. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah, that's yeah, that was well done. Yeah. So uh, the the Veggie Tale creator thing, Phil Vischer, creator of Veggie Tales, went bankrupt in 2003, sold the franchise, and turned to other ventures. In an interview with World Magazine, he says how he realized that the Christian message, quote unquote, of those talking vegetables was not Christianity at all. And then it goes into a long quote where he basically says he was teaching of the Oprah God and uh, teaching moralism. Man, that's impressive. You go, Phil Vischer. Took him long enough. Well, still, I mean, 2003, that's a long time ago. It says, here's a direct quote. Hey, kids, be more kind because the Bible says so. But that isn't Christianity. That's morality. Hey, that's pretty good. And there's a place I'm glad from, you found that, Joshua. That's, that's a place for morality, by the way. Um uh, there is, but it isn't the gospel. Exactly. Okay, so um, verdict on the cereal. Well, I haven't um, taken my first bite yet. You need to take your first bite. I think uh, I think we got in trouble one time for doing the cereal review where we crunched for like 30 minutes or so, didn't we, Emmanuel? I enjoyed that episode. You said it stunk. Or you said the cereal review part of it stunk. That's what David said. Not you because said, of the crunching. Were you misquoted? Not because of the crunching. Oh, it's just the episode in general. The yeah. boring dialogue? Well, this is going to be much, much better. So is this like a Cheerios? Is it an oats? What are you tasting there? Mm, it, it's, it's, uh, it reminds me of, of Cheerios, but not quite. This is definitely it, – it's got uh, – it's like a the, – the biscuit pieces are definitely very much like uh, Lucky Charms. Biscuit pieces, uh, what I was yeah, thinking, yeah, but yeah. much softer. Yeah, too soft. Maybe a little soft. Perfect for me. Perfect for I you. Like the soggy. Mush mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have? Does, does it hurt your dentures or something? <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just I've, kidding. So I've what never if, ever ever been called mush mouth. <laughs> so Josh is going to eat soggy cereal, uh, and he's going to go. Uh, Pretend to help little old ladies across the street and then leave them halfway there. There you go. <laughs> he's going to engage in all kinds of depravity. Yep. He's probably going to be against Israel in our upcoming discussion, too. Exactly. That'll be the clue that really tells us how depraved he is. Yeah. He's probably pro ISIS. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's bro, bad. Bro, that is really bad. Those people did. Well, never mind. That might be too far. I, I wouldn't. I wonder where you were going there because if pro ISIS wasn't too far, that's impressive. The marshmallows are—they're good. They're not great. They're not they're great. Good. Yeah. Um. They got a good flavor to them, but they don't have as much uh, firmness. Yeah. That's good. Too soft. Yeah. A good cereal marshmallow's got some. Got some strong outer walls. Some resistance. Yeah. But the overall flavor, though, that's pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. I'm actually like 
disregarding the cereal and just eating the uh, the marshmallows now. I think that's a sin. I get it. Is that being no? It's, 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 it's election. Well, I see. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the marshmallows I loved and the cereal so, I hated. The, the, yeah, the question is: Are you are you are you choosing to not eat the oats? Or are you just this, intentionally this, choosing the marshmallows? This is double predestination. Okay. Double predestination cereal. That's yes. that's hardcore. The uh, the marshmallows are chosen for election, and the you cereal are, is chosen for uh, damnation. You're actively rejecting. Eternal nice. torment, damnation. Oh, so Emmanuel, how would you contrast this with a uh, a famous cereal from our childhood, the cereal of kings, King Vitamin? <laughs> okay, uh, Frozen has a better box, but, mm-hmm. but King Vitamin came with a creepy mask on the back. It did. That you cut off and a creepy guy on the front and too. a creepy guy. On the front. Yeah, King Vitamin. You know, probably would have shown up on that Dateline show with uh, <laughs> with uh, what's the name, Chris? Uh, Chris oh gosh, Chris. Yes. Um, yeah. The, I can't think of the guy's name, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Uh, the taste. Here's the thing: when I eat cereal, Chris I, Hansen. I, Hansen. Yeah, that's it. I demand maximum crunch. You know, if a cereal gets soggy, it is it's it's done. It, I'm not eating it. So this got soggy quick. It wasn't that flavorful. And so King Vitamin wasn't tasty, but it was crunchy. It was like, well, rocks are also crunchy. <laughs> King Vitamin would wound you. King Vitamin was like eating razor blades mixed with gravel. Yes. Ugh. You know, I mean, it was just, it cut your mouth to ribbons. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to let it get a little soggy. Maybe. But it still had crunch, though. This got too too soggy too quick. Captain Crunch is another cereal. If you're not careful, it can uh, it can carve up sharp, the roof of your mouth. Very sharp. Frosted Flakes is another one. You have to watch out for one of those things turning sideways. Oh yeah, and Ooh. down. It's, Ooh. Yeah. trouble. I will say this for uh, for it. I think it's time to give our uh, our number of spoons. I'm gonna say. Okay, I don't like the fact that it's soggy. I don't like the fact that the the, the marshmallows are, are not as firm as they should be. They melt down in milk a little bit. No, nothing's worse than cereal with stale, poofy marshmallows that are chewy. But at the same time, the whole flavor profile is pretty good. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. say three and a half spoons. Whoa. That's Maybe high. three and a quarter. I, I would eat this cereal. It wouldn't be my first choice, uh, but I would eat it. This is a two-spoon cereal for oh me. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's mm. down there with all bran and grape nuts. Grape nuts. No, grape nuts are actually good. They're no, pretty, they are not. They're pretty crunchy. <laughs> they are decent tasting, but they are so much work to eat for me. Yeah, there's a lot of work. Uh, you actually burn calories as you eat grape nuts. <laughs> Go on the grape nuts diet. Yeah, it's like uh, two spoons for me. Two spoons. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I will say three and a half spoons. For the all the op, uh, for all the reasons that Jace didn't like it, I would give it three and a half spoons that I did like it. Nice, okay, and not enough marshmallows either. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's why it's not a four four spoon for me. Not okay, marshmallows. I hear you. Yeah. Well, in absence of our uh, what were you thinking segment that David always does, and I didn't want to steal from him. Um, we don't have an incredibly funny open, but I did notice, uh, kind of peeling back the curtain on the show a little bit, that uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, you were struggling to find a topic for uh, discussion. And you went to the hall, 
and ask them for ideas. Um, and you got 50 comments and you rejected them all. So my question to you is, why did you reject all of those comments? <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> I'm just wondering how diplomatic you're going to be. When have you ever known me to be diplomatic? That's kind of why I asked. Yeah. Uh, they were not good. Oh, they were not good. Okay. All right. Good. Some of them were may- might have been okay. Tony had a good suggestion about Christian essentials. I thought that was good. I thought that might be a good one. Yeah. But then, you know, I kind of want to prepare for something like that because I don't even know what mine are. Probably not, you uh, know, interested in doing the work for that one. Yeah. I hear uh, you. Brad Melton wanted to talk about something on Pathios, which is kind of, it's kind of like, you know, low-hanging fruit at this point. No, we're all about low-hanging fruit on the show. <laughs> that is true. Like, you need something to talk about. Try to find and see what, you know, Andy Stanley has said lately. <laughs> Mark Driscoll's not around to kick around anymore. When all this fails, go to Pathios. There you go. Because there'll be some kind of, you know, thing that you disagree with. Well, James Allen Unless Allen you're Heiser, progressive, and then you might like it. James Allen Heiser suggested martial arts, and as a uh, a black belt in uh, kung fu and a red belt in... Um, judo, I thought I could talk about that, but no, that's okay. If you want to talk about that, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I didn't know enough about martial arts to uh, to comment on it. Uh, Nathan Martin suggested circumcision. Do we want to talk about circumcision? Yeah, that, that's a favorite topic of his. He might have some kind of issue. <laughs> Holy moly. Can we get him to stop talking about foreskin for just five minutes? <laughs> That's that's an edit point. What do I do? Okay, I, Kids, normally if you're listening, Nick's ask your parents here. what foreskin is. Oh, Holy smokes, Sergeant! I'm just joking. Don't don't do that, kids. Uh, okay, a five thirteen edit point. <laughs> um, circumcision and four. Okay, I think we're good there. Um, any other topics in there that look good? James McSorley suggested revival, and we were going to do revival today. I had yeah. a special guest coming on that was going to talk about revival but he bailed at the last minute and i'm not too bitter because he's my brother-in-law but um hopefully he'll come on eventually maybe another time i I woke my infant up reading chris atwood's comment photo which one what what did it say gold dust who Uh, me nice Yeah, they were talking about gold flakes. Is that some kind of phenomenon? People saying that they're okay. You guys have never heard this. No, I, I've heard about people at revivals yeah. claiming that their their teeth to, turned to solid gold. Yeah, their fillings and, turned to gold fillings. What? True story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the stuff out in the Northwest, some of the Lakeland kind of crowd. Todd Bentley is kind of who I associate with the gold dust, the gold fillings. Uh, he didn't start it, but but he's kind of of that bent. To expect that sort of things thing at meetings. So, uh, so when revival is upon us, gold flakes will fall on us. And that's not what they necessarily say, but supposedly that has happened at a few of these um, exceedingly charismatic meetings. Are they sure it wasn't dandruff? Oh, I hope it was for for, for the sake of discussion. I what? I hope it was. I don't. I mean, look, I. I've never been to uh, one of those where that supposedly happened. I am a little, uh, I'm a little skeptical myself. Um, I've never heard of it. I haven't heard of that either. Revival is an interesting topic. I think we'll get to that at some point. But you didn't choose any of those topics. No. Oh well. I think you did choose a good one. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, though, uh, I, I get to do my topic because um, I guess I'm the oldest. How about that? 
Here's my question to you guys. Do miracles still happen and should we still seek them? Now, I am not a cessationist, uh, although I, I respect uh, some cessationists. In fact, I'm going to quote and disagree with one here in just a second that I really like a lot. Uh, but I'll give you a, a John Piper quote first. He says, as long as we are submitted to the freedom and sovereign goodness of God to do as he pleases, I think we should regularly pray for the miraculous intervention of God. We don't dictate when or what kind or how many miracles may do among us, but not to ask for them seems to be more secularistic and naturalistic than biblical. So, Thinking about that, I'll ask you guys to react to Piper's quote, and I'll ask you, have you ever seen something that might qualify as a miracle? Which comes first? Either one. I like Piper's quote. Uh, I think he's correct. Um, I don't... I don't know if I've seen a miracle. I've seen I've seen people healed miraculously in a sense of one day somebody has cancer, the next day they don't have it, or one day somebody has complete liver or, or complete kidney failure, and then the next day they their kidneys are completely fine. Um, so I've seen those kind of things, which which I would categorize as miracles. Um, That would probably be the extent of it without me just thinking about it. I've probably seen more stuff on the other side, on the dark side, than I have on the uh, – Well, I mean I don't think that's to be unexpected. Uh, Pharaoh's magicians, for instance, they apparently were able to do some of the uh, similar plague-ish things that God did, and there's no indication in the Bible that they were doing it via sleight of hand. So I do think there's a dark satanic sort of power that can accomplish things that – uh, strain rationality. What about you, Joshua? Have you ever seen the miraculous in a pretty clear, obvious way? So, um, about six or seven months ago, we were my wife and I. She was pregnant, and we were anticipating um, a new addition. And when we went to the gender reveal ultrasound, which is at twenty weeks, we uh, went in, and the tech took a long time looking at him and kind of didn't know what was going on. And then, you know, she, we did the general review. It was a little boy. A little while later, the doctor came in she said, so congrats on the little boy. Um, you know, it's kind of exciting. And then she said, you know, we saw something that we're a little worried about and it was a hole in his heart. She showed us the photos and it was very clear deviation in the septum between the major chambers. Um, where there's not supposed to be a hole. In, in the minor chambers, I think there's always one in an infant. And then um, the major chamber is never supposed to have a deviation. Hmm. Um, so she said, you know, it could be nothing. It could heal on its own. It could be a symptom of something like Down syndrome. We don't know. So we immediately shared the the, the concern with everybody we, we knew who would pray. And um, when we went back a month later, there was just nothing at all. Wow. Um, like it, and we had asked the the Hall of Dogma Church to pray, and um, y'all were faithful to do that. Um, and when we went back and everything was fine, everything looked perfect. Um, I asked the doctor, you know, 
how common is this? And she said, so it's it's fairly common that there would be something in development that takes care of itself. She said, but in this case, I am surprised because it was very clear before. And in one month's time, we and she they looked and looked and looked from a bunch of different angles, and it was just totally gone, no, no, no issue at all. Um, so I'm hesitant to say that that wasn't the Lord. Yeah, you know, I definitely don't want to not give glory to the Lord if if it was a miraculous healing. So, I, you know, I'm of the mind that I do think the Lord saw fit to heal my son of potentially a major, even a minor issue in his heart so uh i can't say for certain but i think those things will be revealed in glory um but that would be that's the one that's the one that was most recent you know and, and my wife gave birth three weeks ago today um to an eight pound 14 ounce little boy who was totally perfect and healthy and um physically is flawless so um well praise god for that yeah amen so the reason I, I kind of say I'm hesitant to not give credit to the Lord is because I imagine what would I be like if I was walking around, bebopping around Jerusalem when Jesus was there, when he when he was doing those things. Would I have kind of scoffed and said, I don't know, I don't know if I buy that. And I think we should be skeptical of our, of our hearts if they kind of tend in that direction because, I mean, the Lord, if you read the Bible, the Lord's done some pretty amazing things. Yeah. Um, pretty ridiculously unexplainable things. Yes. Um I think that kind of is the sweep of the scientists today to kind of explain all the Old Testament miracles um, that they were just regional events, and I don't. I think that, that would kind of neuter the power of the story. Oh, absolutely, I agree. I'll tell you something that happened just this this week for me that I, I kind of wrestling with putting the label miraculous on, but I'm pretty sure something. Amazing happened. So I'll say it that way. I teach at a college, and uh, I teach at a, uh, one of the places I teach at is at, at a, a very large um, uh, place here in Birmingham called the Love Lady Center. A lot of people that are in there have gotten out of prison uh, or de- wrestling with uh, drug addiction. That's not everybody, but that's just a lot of people there. And uh, I teach Old Testament, New Testament history, and uh, other classes. One of the ladies we've we've had because everybody is so, there's so many people there are wrestling with drugs. We've had a lot of overdoses and we've lost a lot of students. Uh, it's tragic. It's heartrending. It's surprising, in fact, how many uh, we've lost. And one of the ladies there uh, that was in my class, very, very sweet, uh, very very nice, pretty, very engaged in classes with the with the word. Um, she overdosed uh, while we were out of town two weeks ago um, on, on heroin, and uh, uh, they, they they got her to the hospital. Uh, but there was, there was eleven days of no response. Well, I found out about it when I got back and, and went up to the hospital. And the day I saw her was day eleven or day twelve, and uh, this was Wednesday. Um, and it was uh, it was stunning. It was stunning to see her. The neurologist had essentially told her fiance that she was brain dead, that, that they should pull her off. She was on a ventilator and on life support, and that they should pull her off life support. You know, no real chance of recovery or anything like that. Uh, too long without oxygen. All those terrible things that you hear. And it, it, just just looking at her, you know, I was there praying with her, praying with her fiance. Uh, her eyes were open. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody 
that's in that condition mm-hmm. with eyes open that are completely unresponsive. It, it's eerie. It's it's frightening. It's unnerving. It's not supposed to be that way. You know, we talked to her. I was in the room for maybe an hour. No response to touch. In fact, she was uh, she's so far gone that uh, her throat would fill up with mucus and saliva, and she wouldn't really even be able to clear. There was no clearing of the throat. It just she stopped breathing and the nurse had to come in and essentially it's kind of gross but plunge her throat out uh, because the, even the involuntary stuff w- wasn't going on now she she would occasionally twitch or something like that and you think wow is this some sort of movement but there was no response to stimuli whatsoever for 11 12 days and he did not – the fiancé, obviously he wants Scott to heal her, but he didn't want her to live the rest of her life like that, for to have an extended time on machines like that and not be herself. So he was worried about that. He was fighting. He really wanted to do the right thing. And we just prayed. And I, I had a sense that we were supposed to pray for her. And, and look, I prayed for her. Dozens of people have prayed for her. But I had the sense we were supposed to pray for a – Hail Mary miracle. But I'll be honest with you. I'm an intellectual pessimist. I mean, I looked at her. She wasn't there. The neurologist said she was brain dead. You know, that's kind that was enough for me to know that we were fighting a losing battle, but we prayed, we prayed hard and other people have prayed. Well, long story, slightly less long. I came back yesterday. He texted me and said, hey, will you come back and pray for her again? Came back yesterday. And I got there and a couple of ladies in the room and, and they were kind of pumped and stuff. And, and one of them was like, well, have you heard the news? And I was like, no, what, what news? Because she still looked the same to me when, when I first walked in. And she started telling me all these things that happened that Friday night as they were praying for this young lady. And I listened and I was looking at her like, you know, they were saying she she at one point she opened her eyes and recognized them and she tried to communicate with them. And when they played a worship song she really liked, she raised her hands and started worshiping. And I'll just be honest with you guys. I was like, oh, really? You know, I totally don't believe you. You know, that's deep down. I was thinking that. Mm. But I was given the whole uh, patronizing smile and grin. But but I looked at her fiance, who I, I think was also very skeptical uh, the other day, um, with good reason, with good medical reason. Uh, and he was excited, too. And these girls showed me a video of this girl doing these things. And it was astonishing. And, and while, when I had first come in the room, she was sedated. Um, and so she didn't open her, her eyes were, were closed, but we eventually had a time of praying for her and her eyes open and she looked around and whereas three days ago, you're looking at nothing like looking at a doll's eyes, no response, no recognition, no humanity, nobody is home. That wasn't the same yesterday. And she's not fully healed. There is some evidence that she's starting to talk and respond and do all these things. The neurologists are – and this is at one of the finest hospitals in Birmingham – are amazed. The night night she was taken off of uh, life support, which was Thursday night, two different nurses told her fiancé that she was going to die. Uh, But she doesn't. She didn't. She didn't die. And now she's starting to respond. And I was just flabbergasted to see it. She's not fully healed. Uh, she's she's much more responsive than she was, but she's not talking let, yet. But um, anyway, it's amazing. Incredible story. Question to you guys after that is, 
should we seek miracles today? Uh, obviously, all three of us believe they still happen. Should we seek them, and how much should we seek them? I, I definitely believe we should seek them. Uh, I've, I, I grew up in Pentecostal circles where I think people may maybe I'm not going to say sought miracles too much, but kind of lost focus and started chasing signs and wonders instead of you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. So they're instead of seeking Jesus, they're seeking miracles. So I think there's a danger in that, but I I mean, I seek miracles all the time. Uh big ones, small ones. Uh, I don't see what the harm is, you know. Uh Jesus said ask for stuff. I ask for stuff. <laughs> there you go. You know, and and let God tell me no. So you can overdo it, but we should still seek miracles. I think as long as you're still focused on who the miracle worker is and, and, and you're not seeking miracles for miracles sake. Um, it's not like, you, you know, you've got a quota. Well, you asked for 10 miracles already and uh, <laughs> we think you need to quit uh, for a while. <laughs> nice. Wait till next month. You know, it's not like a data plan or something, but just not to lose focus. Uh, there you go. On Jesus. Yeah, I would respond similarly that there's a fanaticism that can come with the miracle culture and everything is about a miracle and um, and claiming stuff. Um, uh, but, I, but I mean, like like Emmanuel said, I mean, Jesus said, "Asking you shall receive." I mean, and and you know, if if an unbelieving father will do. We'll provide for his children when they ask for it. We're supposed to do that because how much more so will our Heavenly Father look down and care for us? I got a buddy of mine who went to India, um, and he was doing some teaching in a village that he visited. And he was kind of – he asked a rhetorical question to illustrate a point, and it didn't, he didn't get the response he was thinking he was going to get. He asked them, you know – when you guys are sick, do you you know do you just, you pray and ask God to heal you and He heals you every time? And He was expecting them to say, "Well, no, you know, sometimes no." The answer is no, but they just kind of looked at him blank face and said, "Yeah." Like when we're sick, we ask the Lord to heal us, and He heals us because for them that was one they they had absolutely no medical care. He was in India. He was in that town to dig a well, right? Um, that was how like they didn't have any clean water, so like right, that was how right. poor this group of people was but there were believers there and their response to that was supposed to be a rhetorical question their response was yes because for them 100 of their health care was taking their needs to the lord and they mm. said they had, they had such a reliance on the lord that their default answer was well well yeah he heals us when we're sick and so i think there's there's a level of dependence on the lord we just don't have a clue about because we're americans yeah. um and so it's you know it's hard for me to sit on this side of luxury and say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if we should ask for miracles because I think there are some people who would say that's that's it's so common, right? That Lord would heal them is so common. That's all they know of healthcare. So I, I yeah, I guess my question, I, mean, I guess my answer is de- it depends. You should avoid a fanaticism, but um, for some people, it's not a miracle. It's just how they deal with their kid getting sick. Wow. So I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I kind of think that people who who are anti miracle are usually that way because they've seen the fanaticism and they're like, I don't want to be like them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, those people are, are crazy. and I don't want to be looked at as crazy. So, uh, uh, 
I'm not I'm not going to ask for, you know. Yeah, I, I would I would I would say I'm not as dogmatic about a lot of things as I used to be because I there's you see the pendulum effect in Christianity in anything where people just they you see it in one generation to the next you'll have you know one one like you, one person will be raised going to public school playing all the sports and then they they re, they knee jerk and so they homeschool and their kids don't do anything unless their parents are with them and then there's like I just think we we respond to the generation that came before us, and we mm. respond to the things that we experience. And I think that that's where you get a lot of these extremes. Mm-hmm. And so some people are anti-miracle because they, they, their background was was a miracle around every corner. And I think some people um, are are there's a miracle around every corner because they just grew up in this sit still and don't raise your hands and you know yeah. there's nothing emotional or experience <laughs> teaching against experientialism. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, and by definition, a miracle is something that doesn't happen, like, you know, all the time. And, I, and I've run to people like this. So it's like, no, it's it's a miracle because it's not, you know, because it's not common. You know, otherwise it'd just be called Thursday. Like, this is yeah. what happens on Thursday. People, blind people see and, you know, uh, you know, it's Saturday. So people, you know, get this and uh, – it's a miracle because because it goes against the laws of nature and what's you know it, it's it's supernatural. I think that's the key. I would say that would be the definition of miracle. Not not something that doesn't happen a lot, but something that doesn't have a natural explanation. There you go. Yeah. I mean, just saying that I think will lose some of a worldly audience because they they just reject anything that doesn't have a natural exp- explanation. Correct. Right? If, if if you can't explain it scientifically, then we just don't know enough yet about it to be able to explain it. But there absolutely is an a natural scientific explanation but i mean that's that's the heart of christianity is that we have these preposterous claims and so you know do miracles happen man they better yes but <laughs> they, they better or we're most to be pitied absolutely yeah yeah um i you know i'm not a cessationist i, I i'm not a cessationist not because of experience but because it's a, it's a very difficult in my mind to make a biblical argument for cessationism. You know, I look at a passage like 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven through 29, which says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing various kinds of languages. Are all apostles or all prophets or all teachers do all do miracles? I look at that list and I see it's quite difficult to envision Paul writing that or to understand that that passage as essentially something that within a few years of it being written, half of it is untrue. And it's not like he categorizes the, quote, charismatic gifts in the first part and the, quote, normal gifts in the second part. They're all kind of mixed in there together. And miracle workers, by the way, not very high on the on whatever hierarchy that is. So, I think if we ever have somebody that has a, a, that it, God uses to do miraculous things, we usually put them on TBN and send a lot of offering to them or whatever. But according to this, that that person somehow is fourth in line. If yeah. that's a hierarchy, he, which, he, he definitely values speaking prophetically more in his writings right paul he, he emphasizes that as you know I, I, I want that for you more so well good deal i i, I think we should 
seek the miraculous. I think we should pray in faith, believing more. I I think Matthew 18 is a verse, uh, a passage that the church in America needs to understand as well as the church in third world countries where Jesus tells us that we should always pray and never give up. Sometimes I think we pray and ask for miraculous things and it doesn't happen, and our assumption is God doesn't want to do it or he has a different plan or whatever, that's not Jesus' view of prayer. Whether you're a cessationist or not, Jesus' view of prayer is always pray, never give up. Um, that's it for miracles. Uh, you guys have any response to that? We'd love to hear it in the Hall of Dogma, which you can get to very easily, hallofdogma.com. Now, Joshua, you're going to have to educate uh, Emmanuel and I on this. What in the world is permaculture? So uh, the day after Christmas, uh, my wife and I closed on a home that has two and a half acres with it, and I've never lost sleep even when uh, I had a business partnership fizzle and and die. Um, I've never really lost sleep about much of anything, but in, in the excitement of this property and the projects I want to do on it, I've lost more than one night's of sleep just thinking and dreaming. So um, around the same time, I started getting really into this thing called permaculture, um, and it has framed my plans for our property and our home, and it's something that um, I'm putting most of my free time into. Um, So it was kind of a natural um, topic for me today because um, I'm not approaching what I'm doing, which is trying to apply permaculture to our property from a moralistic thing and I'm not going to force it on anybody right but I think that I'm discovering an incredible value to it and I think it's something that um, people should be aware of and consider and if if and however possible should apply to their lives so the the question I'll throw it out to you guys first is how important is it that Christians take care of the earth and if you rate that with any level of importance, why is that important? <sighs> okay, I'm kind of cynical on this on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, earlier in, in the pre-show, Emmanuel said that he wanted to pollute the earth as much as possible. <laughs> I, he, that was a direct quote. Not as much as possible. Uh, maybe it was kind of a joke. <laughs> I want my paint to have VOCs in it, and maybe, maybe not. I like gasoline. You know, cars instead of I don't want an electric car. Uh, so I'm all about carbon. Yeah. I think we should put as much in the air as possible. No, <laughs> That's nice. I'm just joking. You carry around a bur- bucket of mercury just in case you see a wildlife refuge. You just, just want to in, dump it in. Just in case my skin isn't flaking off enough. I like. <laughs> he has a five gallon pail of DDT from the 70s. Oh my! <laughs> no, wow. Seriously, I'm a very much reactionary in certain things, and so. When I was in seminary, there was this big thing about creation care, and I was like, okay, this is just Christian environmentalism. Like, I, There aren't many things that I hate, uh, Christian movies, uh, <laughs> certain politicians, a soggy cereal, but I do not like environmentalists uh, oh, wow. in the least. Um, Sweet. So... We'll cover up my Greenpeace shirt here. <laughs> and so, I, but here's the thing I love the outdoors, and I'm an outdoors guy. Like, I love the outdoors. And so, it's not like I want the earth to be polluted, but I think they just got to go too far. So, 
so I have a, a kind of a, just a cynical attitude toward it. I do think that Christians should take care of the, of the, of the earth, but I think all people should do that. Um, driving over here, you know, I passed by a Coke plant and not the good kind, the kind that, <laughs> not the good kind, the drug plant. I'm talking about a Coke plant that, that puts, uh, at a point. Yeah. Uh, that puts, you know, a lot of smelly smoke and stuff. Yeah. The, the air quality in Birmingham is horrible. And the particular city you drove through, is, it stinks all the time because a, of that one place. It is a smoggy, sulfury mess. I, I don't know if I would want to live there it just makes, because of that. It makes me sad. It does. Um, so, yes, Christians should care. But I, at the same time, I don't, I don't want to make it a uh, beat you over the head with issues like Christians tend to do. That if you were a good Christian, you'd, you'd do these things. Uh, but because uh, we tend to overdo stuff sometimes, uh, I'm looking to choose a sex trafficking culture, um, just because there's just evidence that that's just it's just not as widespread. But it's like the Christian, it's the new Christian thing to be outraged about is people are sex slaves in other countries. And it's like, uh, yeah, but not the way you not as much as you say it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like an overreaction. Is I guess what I'm trying to it's say. It's the cause celebre. Yeah. Okay. Is that how you say that? Celeb? Uh, I it's don't not, know. It's not celebra? Uh, I think in French you I'm kind just, of tend to joking. trail off there a little bit. I'm just joking. The uh, R and the E are silent. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I kind of push back against like activism. I don't like activists. That's, yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You're, you're an anti-trend sort of guy, right? You, no, I, I mean, I think there's stuff that Christians should stand up for, but when it becomes when it becomes trendy, then I, that's when I just don't get behind. I don't yeah. like trends. Yeah, I see. I see that in you. So I um, I have a, a softer position on the environment and world care and such than probably Emmanuel. Um, I think I, most people in the world would have a soft pro- response. Probably. No, yeah. I, I like, <laughs> probably. Like, I'm, I'm pro-recycling. Like, I don't do it, but I'm for it. There you uh, go. <laughs> I'm glad other people are doing it. I, yeah. I am, too. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Uh, it grieves me. We, the, the, the HOD church is in a community called Pinson. I, I love Pinson. I love the people of Pinson. But, my goodness, there's so much trash on the roads around here. And it's not just Pinson, but, man. Uh, yeah, that makes me sad. That, don't throw your trash out the window. What's wrong with you people? Stop yeah. that. And, and I'm not scolding as a as a Christian. Just, they, should, they should get the death penalty. Yes. Uh, wait, 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 what? I'm sorry. I think I, <laughs> maybe, I, think maybe, I agree maybe too Maybe that's a little that. too too far, maybe a little. Maybe a little. Maybe okay. a quick tasing. Um, <laughs> so A hefty fine. There you go. I, I look. I, I have some concerns that line up with with uh, left concerns sometimes. Like I, oh. I think uh, uh, I can't stand uh, Monsanto, for instance. Uh, I, I I cringe at some of the things they've done with seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am very concerned about genetically modified food. Not yeah. not all of it. I'm, I'm not against all of it. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of that. Not not a fan of that. I uh, worry about. Uh, the overuse of pesticides and, and putting garbage in our environment. So I, I, let's say this. Emmanuel's almost not at all on board with you. I'm halfway on 
no, I'm with a, you. <laughs> yeah, I believe all of that. I just don't like the people behind it. That's the I, thing. I understand. That turns saying. me off. You yeah, don't so, like environmental so, activism. Yeah, and I want to. I mean, it's. I think. I think active. active I, I'm that same way. I, I can't stand activism, and I think it's because I, most of the activism I've been exposed to has been the activism of my generation, which is birth things like Occupy Wall Street where oh. your activism is to literally go and just be somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like that you're actually doing nothing. Or you're gonna tweet about something. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> this oh, hashtag right. is gonna show you. All right, exactly. Nice. So so that kind of act is if you wasn't gonna bring back our girls yesterday when when I get through doing this hashtag <laughs> so, yeah, it's that, over. That, that kind of activism is I I, I I think that's what was the heart of your kind of your, your sex trafficking comment is yeah. the heart of most activism is it's it's less than productive yeah. because, exactly. because you're you're just talking about something and thus creating a trend that that fizzles out and then and I'm then, creating awareness. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awareness creation. It, I think it's, it's it's virtually useless unless you have something that you can then come right behind and say, "Here's something you can do about it," and you, you can apply it. So yeah. Um, uh, so there's a crappy article on Salon.com. Um, I'm going to read <laughs> just one, yeah, <laughs> about this. But so it it, it takes it. I'm going to read a couple highlights from the article. It says that the headline is "The Twisted Morality of Climate Denial: How Religion and American Exceptionalism Are Undermining Our Future." So because of that headline, I thought it was intriguing. That is intriguing. Um, now, here's, here's some highlights in the article. None of us in our personal lives produces much air or water pollution. These problems are created by industrial corporations and can only be ameliorated by them. I, I Googled what that is. Well, that's a big word. It's, it's a it means word. improved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason that the response to climate change affects people's personal beliefs and lifestyle. The reason is that um, the response to climate change affects people's personal beliefs and lifestyles. It's not simply a political position like controlling air pollution or saving the blue whale, but an issue that reaches deep inside our patterns of thought and behavior. So uh, I don't really care about climate change because my response is very much like James Spann's who says, does the climate change? Of course it does. Is it changing? Of course it is. The question is whether or not we're the only one to blame. There's not enough information. Yeah, I dislike those people more than I do environmentalists even though they're usually the same people. They they often are. And actually I don't actually believe – well – that's another thing for another right. Go ahead. So here's the last quote. It says, we must commit to changing our lifestyle because it is the right thing to do. And as in other moral areas, rely on our fellow citizens to act in the same manner in order to produce the general effects on our society that we desire. But environmental ethics of this sort is a new morality. It is separate from and in certain ways conflicts with the traditional morality that many conservative Americans believe in. Consequently, they resist it. So it's an interesting little last line there. Um, so I reject the notion that we should view – we should uh, make care for the earth a new morality. Hmm. But the reason I've gotten really jazzed up about permaculture and it's gotten new neuron pathways going and, and I'm losing sleep is because permaculture is a design science that you can apply to any thing that you do. It's most often applied to agriculture. And it, th- there's three – um, there's three primary ethics of permaculture, and they're very simple. It's care of the earth, care of people, and return or reinvestment of surplus. Mm. So whatever you're doing, if it's harming the earth, you can't do that. You've got to change what you're doing about it. Whatever you're doing, if it's harming people, you can't do that anymore. You've got to change it. And whatever you're doing, if there's, if there's surplus, 
It needs to benefit the community, but primarily any, any, any surplus reinvest it back into the system, thus improving the system. So the reason it makes sense in agriculture is because um, in the 50s and 60s, we bought into this idea that um, agriculture is just pure chemistry, NPK. Um, those three chemicals are the, are the most important ones, and you just regulate those levels, and you can uh, improve quality of life. Nitrogen, well, potassium, and let's, – Let's Google K. No, K, K, I think K is, is potassium. potassium. Potash is is the P potash or is it phosphorus? Potassium, nitrogen. What is P? I used to know this whole chart 20 years nitrogen, ago. Nitrogen, potassium, and phosphate. 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 Okay. So, so we, we reduced agriculture to chemistry only when in reality healthy agriculture is bio, – biology is what matters. And the bi- good biology produces all the good chemistry. So the chemistry is a byproduct of the biological activity. What we've done in our monocrop agri- mono agriculture is that we just dump a bunch of chemicals and we've actually killed all the biology mm-hmm. in our plants. So I think we're actually in, uh, in danger of having completely chemical-dependent agriculture system and actually putting lives in danger. So, so I, too, am anti-GMO. But I think in third world countries where you have to choose between no food and GMO food, we probably I, that's should do the, Yeah, I agree GMO with food. you. That's the, probably the one big benefit of GMO. Uh, it, I, I, I may have told, told this story before. I've been to Africa uh, on a mission trip before. Their fruit is entirely different from ours. It's tastier. It's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as abundant. It's not as thick and juicy. But an African banana, an African orange – Versus an American banana, American orange is a world of difference. It's mm-hmm. so much better there, and part of it is we've GMO'd the heck out of our food. Probably in the ten years since I've been there, they've GMO'd the heck out of their food. Same too, way so. when I went to, when I went to London, it was like that. They don't they don't allow a lot of the pesticides and stuff like that. So, like we'd go buy like bread or milk, and it'd be spoiled in like like three days and like uh, i think i think milk now lasts like a month right i mean yeah gosh you gotta wonder how they um, make that happen if you go buy fruit i mean it you better eat it because yeah. because and people didn't go they there was no need to have a big cart when you went grocery shopping because stuff wasn't gonna last that long so you might as well just have your little hand cart you got to walk anyway everywhere you go and because they still have you know normal food uh as opposed to us where everything's engineered to have a longer shelf life for the international livers what that means is essentially here in america we go to walmart or whatever once a week and we expect our food to last a long time and it's suspicious that it does but it does it's mutant food probably very mutant we will all be ninja turtles in a couple you know couple years that's, That'll actually be kind of cool. That actually would be actually pretty cool. So, so yeah. So I've gotten into permaculture because I th- I think that those are those are three things that Christians should be about. We should care for the earth. We should care for individuals, and we should return surplus. I mean, I think there's a sense where where tithing is a return of surplus. You're just supposed to do it in the beginning, right? Um, if you believe in tithing. So um, those things I think are actually um, in line with Scripture. And actually, um, so real quick, I'll just plug a guy. His name is Jeff Lawton. And he has um, – if you do look up a video called Greening the Desert. Um, Is that L-A-W-T-O-N? Yep. yep. Okay. And it's Jeff, G-E-O-F-F. Um, oh, the fancy Jeff. Uh, fancy yeah. Jeff Lawton is he's what a, I think they call him. He's it. a British guy who um, 
immigrated to Australia and did some incredible stuff there. Um, and actually, he is uh, in the Green Desert. The video uh, you'll see that he he's. Let me. I'll, I'll, I'll just read this verse: Isaiah forty-one eighteen. I will make the rivers flow among barren hills and springs of water run in the valley. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the dry land into flowing springs. I will make cedars grow in the desert and acacias and myrtles and olive trees. Forests will grow in barren land, forests of pine and juniper and cypress. Um, this guy, Jeff Lawton, has taken permaculture, and he's actually doing that um, in the desert. So uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a proper way of interacting with our environment, with our earth. Um, it's one of the tenets of permaculture is to observe observe natural systems and then enhance them or mimic them. So that's not what we've done in traditional agriculture. What we've done is just dump chemicals. Well, you, you, for, forests don't use fertilizer, right? Cause they, cause God has ordained, ordained certain systems take place and we should interact mm-hmm. with the environment in the same way. Right. So, so, uh, it's something that I didn't care about two years ago, but now I'm actually losing sleep over. And I think it's something that, um, uh, like I've started recycling, not because it's going to make a big difference, but honestly, I do it because it makes financial sense. If I save my aluminum cans and save my tin, and mm-hmm. I get money for it, cash uh, tax free. But um, but it does make a difference. Um, any any changes individuals make is pretty small. But I think that what we can do is interact with the world in a positive way and gain an audience with our neighbors. Like, what the heck are you doing here? Well, um, I do these things because of this. Sort of attractional evangelism. I think so. I, yeah. And there's, so, so there's a guy named uh, Grant Woods, and he does quality deer management, and he's a believer. And his his take is whatever you do, you should do it excellently so as to gain an audience with people, become, a, become an authority because you whatever you do, you do well. So um, I think Christians should interact with the, with the environment in a positive way. Um, whatever they do, they should do well. Um, for me, I'm – Hoping to run a really cool little homestead farm and do it well, so that people um, will be interested in it. But I think it—I uh, think more and more it's becoming a political issue, and um, more and more my generation is going to care about this. And I don't think we should be a stumbling block. <laughs> and if we don't care about it, the government is going to make us care about it, whether we want to or not. Oh, so. there's, there's a real potential of that. Well, I've, Josh, I've been to your house. I've seen some of the plans you got uh, going. I'm, I'm very intrigued. Um, I, I've I've done gardening before, and with a very big, uh, a large garden, not not nearly farm scale, but uh, you know, tried to to move more towards sustainability. I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. I think we're very over reliant on the current grocery store system that we have in the United States of America. I think it's very unhealthy for us. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for the obesity epidemic in uh, America, but some of it is we don't eat enough live food. Best way to eat live food is grow it yourself. Uh, it's also the wisest and most, uh, you know, best stewardship way. So, I don't know that we should be an activist for permaculture, but I think the way you're talking about it, the attractional sort of sales way, I'm I'm I, I'm intrigued. Um, I, I'm real intrigued. Yeah, I actually think I watched a a, a TV show about this like last week. Hmm. Um, it was this guy, and he was, I think he was in Africa, 
but they had a small farm and the way that it was almost kind of like a factory in a sense where everything was feeding everything else kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just talking about how efficient it was at, at, at producing and, and also not, uh, they even had systems that took care of waste mm-hmm. to, uh, re, uh, you know, re uh, reintroduce it into re surplus. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. So, I didn't know we were talking about poop here. I don't. Yeah. I want to get rid of that. <laughs> I don't want to reinvest that. Well, they were using the poop from like I think they had pigs, and they were using the poop to uh, fertilize stuff. It might not have been well, pigs. Right. Um, it might have been chickens. So, so, so there's a guy Joel Salton, and he's he does a he has a farm called Polyface Farm. I think it's in Pennsylvania, and he's a believer. And he's taken a Christian ethic um, and applied it to permaculture. And that's one of the things he does is paddock farming. He'll take cows and run them through an area, move them along. Come behind them, he'll run chickens. Chickens will come and break up the cow patties, look for seeds in the cow patties, and spread the manure. They'll manure themselves. And then behind the chickens, he'll plant a crop that will use all those nutrients. The cows will come and eat that crop. And it, you know, every, literally every interaction that something has is improving the system. Everything interacts oh. it w- interacts yeah, with it in a yeah. positive that way. That sounds very smart. Yeah. So, so yeah, I didn't he, think he actually, farming was this advanced. This guy and his family run a two and a half million dollar farming operation. Wow. And it's a relatively small piece of property. So, um, compared to you know other farmers who what it takes for them to do two and a half million. So, um, so the reason I'm interested, I, I just think that there's. I'm not, I don't reject environmentalism like I used to because I th- I think I am seeing the value of uh, thinking about these things in a good stewardship sense mm-hmm. and seeking to interact with our environment in a way that actually coincides with natural order instead of um, is a, is contrary to it. Um, and I think in the process um, we cannot uh, be a stumbling block to our neighbors by destroying the world and then also um, hopefully having a uh, if we if we choose to do something like this, we have a surplus we can reinvest. I, and I, I would think about this very similar to like homeschooling. It's not something that I'm going to go say, "Hey, you need to homeschool." But I think it, there's a lot of value to homeschooling, and so we've chosen to homeschool. So I'm not a. I might talk about it if you ask me, but I'm not going to cram it down your throat. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. That's that. that's good. So yeah. you're saying a manual is a, a stumbling block? Is that right? No. Yes. Okay. Well, just, you know, just I've been called sure. worse. So go out there and club some baby seals if you got the time. Wait. No, don't do that. No? I don't think so. I don't think Do I you will. have a lot of baby seals around your house? Not anymore. Oh. <laughs> That's the best answer ever. Emmanuel lives right next to the zoo. Uh, ouch. By the way, that was, that was a good segment, Joshua. I think you educated everybody. Cool. That's actually what I was hoping to do, make people Google permaculture. What the heck is that? Yeah, well, I, I totally did. It's going to be trending now. It is. It's going to be trending on Twitter. We'll, I even saw we that will, we will Emmanuel totally went over to greenpeace.org and signed up to give a monthly donation. That's <laughs> actually a friend of mine has been doing this permaculture farming for a while. His name is Noah Sanders. I'll plug him real quick. He has a website called redeemingthedirt.com. Oh, nice. And the, the tagline is encouraging born-again farmers to pursue god glorifying agriculture and so um he actually he actually holds a, a permaculture conference that's um christ-centered sweet so let, let me ask you this are christian permaculture people are they anti-pesticides and the, and the reason i ask that is because you know i do believe that god uh does help us advance science and does things like that for 
and he gets glory out of that as well. Um, or are they just kind of like anti? So it would definitely depend. Uh, and there's actually in permaculture in general, there's different views. Um, one of the guys who was one of the leading organizers around permaculture is a guy named Diego Footer, and he he has a podcast called Permaculture Voices Podcast. And just the episode that was released this week, he was saying, "Look, we need to get a, we need to get away from this all or nothing mentality about permaculture." And sometimes we need to realize that sometimes a system would benefit from a one-time application of an herbicide. You come in, oh. you do it, get, and it's going to make it make you get to where you need to be way faster. Yeah, but so but in general, permaculture but don't rely people, on them. They're going to say that a system in balance that's that's, that's then, done correctly doesn't need uh-huh. pesticides. You're going to have the you're going to they say like you don't have a grasshopper problem. You have a duck solution. You get ducks mm. and run them through the area. That's profound. What about deer? Could be a title what if, there. What if deer are eating your crops? You shoot them and you put them in your freezer. Oh, I'm all about. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Hunting. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and share the uh, and share the love. I noticed the Wikipedia page on permaculture since I googled it has a an excellent picture of a permaculture garden in Sheffield, uh, UK, which I believe we actually have a listener or two from Sheffield. So that would be cool if it was their garden, but it may not be. That'd be pretty cool if there were some listeners who are into permaculture. That would be awesome. We should get uh, some listeners into perm- permaculture. Right now, you just have one. <laughs> Well, Probably. Maybe, maybe more than one. Maybe we'll hear from people in the Hall of Dogma. They're like, yeah, I invented permaculture. <laughs> well, that would be Bill Mollison in the 1970s. Yeah, he's in there. Oh, I did not I, I know see that. that. Yeah, you should, you should tag him in a post or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just trust me. He, he's in there. All right. Good job. Good job, Joshua, for your rookie segment on the show. Mm-hmm. You did a mighty fine job. Now, Emmanuel, are are you suggesting we should go to war with Israel in this next segment? No. Oh, okay. Good. I'm that's, suggesting that's we, should kind go, of relief. we should go to war with everyone else. No, uh, <laughs> nice. Aaron Disney, um, he had a post in the hall, and all of his posts are, are legend. Yeah, man, Just that a, dude uh, has got the gift. He he, he is gifted. Uh, a gifted poster, and so the the question he asked was this: Does anyone think we have some sort of Biblical obligation to the modern political nation of Israel today? If so, how do you come to that conclusion? He's kind of snarky. I can sense a little snark in there. Uh-huh. Not that I oppose them. I don't. I just don't consider those who reject Jesus to be God's chosen people. There's a lot in there. Oh, you're dealing with You're dealing with ethnic Israel versus natural Israel versus a national Israel, kind of like a versus the promises uh, of God. Yeah, and political stuff, and uh, it was it was it was an interesting conversation, and so I kind of wanted to get your opinions on where do you stand on Israel? Uh, should Christians support Israel or not support Israel? Is it a it is a a biblical issue, or is it just kind of like a maybe not? You know, that's a good question. I think. I think it is a biblical issue. I, look, I think some conservatives are uh, perhaps blindly pro-Israel, uh, just like they might be blindly pro-Republican or blindly pro-Baptist or whatever without seeing some of the flaws. Israel has committed some uh, terrible things. Really? Uh, yes, they, they have. And Christians have done some terrible things. Not, a, um, not Americans. 
American Christians, I have done some terrible things. But but that uh, those terrible things don't I don't think uh uh, I, I don't think we necessarily just kind of weigh and balance the Palestinians versus the Israelites who does more bad things. Um, I, I think <laughs> – That was kind of my position, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I didn't want to steal your, yeah, you're your position. you're stealing all this fire, man. Um, I think there is a biblical mandate. Uh, for instance, Romans uh, 11, Paul says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? Talking about Israel. For by, by no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars. I alone am left. But what's God's reply? to him, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Um, There's a remnant in Israel. God has not rejected Israel. Uh, That doesn't mean we blindly support them in everything. But um, quite frankly, I am uncomfortable with the way this country treated Benjamin Netanyahu in that visit and the way our president is dealing with that situation. Yeah, I think think America has a lot of kind of residual – Anti-Semitism. It makes you wonder. Uh, and that that kind of just, maybe that's confirmation bias on my part, but I was like, I knew it, you know. Um, so, so what would you say to people who say that, well, you know, Israel as a nation, that they're not elect anymore. God has chosen a, a new people, and the new people are people who believe in Christ, and he doesn't have any kind of responsibility to... Uh, Israel as a nation as far as the old covenant goes. I would say read your Bible. We're grafted in. We're grafted into something. And again, I would ask the question. I would probably try to be a little crafty and say, are you saying God has rejected Israel? And they would probably say, yeah, essentially. And I would say, no, Paul says God has not rejected Israel. Uh, again, I don't I don't blindly support Israel, but God has not rejected Israel. I'll tell you a little brief anecdote. Uh, I teach history. Um, I, I taught history in high school back in back in the day 2002 i teach it at a college level now and and I, both instances in a christian school a christian college now israel to me is one of the uh is a sort of a proof of the existence of god and i don't mean you prove the existence of god by israel but go look at a map of israel israel is the size roughly of rhode island our little state of alabama israel can fit in alabama six and a half times it's little and you look at all of the wealth and all of the people and all the land owned by the other countries in the levant the the jordans the lebanons iraq iran uh, uh, Syria, etc. All of those people, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, who have trillions of dollars uh, and who have tons of people, tons of land, united in hatred against Israel, have threatened multiple times throughout history to wipe Israel off the face of the world, the face of the map, and have tried, and they can't do it. And it's not because there's a bunch of Captain Israels in Israel protecting it with the vibranium shields. I think it's because God won't hasn't ordained that it would happen. If Israel adopted permaculture, everything would be okay, wouldn't it? That probably would help. Interesting thought right there. Will bring peace. They may to, have already adopted bring peace to the land. I don't think they've <laughs> adopted that. Um, uh, I, I want to hear more about what Chase has to say about it because I, I I definitely reject the whole I stand with Israel thing. I mean, 
What mm. if Israel tortures? What if Israel has a bunch of prisoners and they torture them? Are you still going to stand behind them? It's almost it's, yeah, it's almost mi- like a blanket. They I can do whatever they want. I don't really mind torture, so yeah, I'm okay oh, with them torturing torture. I, I, I'm no. anti-torture. Uh, I am mostly anti-torture, and I I say mostly. Uh, Ethically, you you can see a couple of situations. I'll, I'm just going to be an idiot here, but look at a couple of things <laughs> Jack Bauer did in the TV show 24, and you can see at least from an – I know it's fiction obviously, but from an ethical perspective, there were at least a time or two where he tortured somebody where you could say as an ethicist it was ethical to do or at least it was not unethical to do. <laughs> right, right. So, so, so I watched one of the video. I watched a video um, that showed the aftermath of some of the bombing that uh, Israel was doing in Palestine in the West Bank. Right. Yes. So this came up in the post, by the way, by Aaron Disney. We go ahead. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, now. I, I admit this is emotional and anecdotal, but seeing a little kid with his legs blown off and his father holding him and him screaming, like I can't, I can't look at that and just say, well, I blanketly. I defend Israel. Like I stand with Israel. Whatever they do, they can't. They can't do any wrong because I just there isn't there isn't a mechanism in my brain that says that's okay or that I can accept that as just being a casualty of war. No. I, I don't support that. Yeah, to be so, very clear. I, I reject that. That is evil. It is possible for Israel to do evil. Yeah, and I, I, that's, that, that, I guess well, that's see, my point. It's, there's almost like this this thought that since Israel is in the Bible, but, most people don't. Most mm. it kind of gets under my skin because most people don't even know they don't have a good. Systematic theology to, to explain at all why they defend Israel. But Israel did evil all throughout the scripture, and God would discipline them, but he did not ultimately reject so, them. Here, here's my question is, why did that kid, why did Israel bomb Palestine? Why did that kid not have any legs? Was it because Israel just like, you know what? <laughs> there are way too many bipedal kids over there in, uh, in Palestine. What can we do about that? Yeah, I think we should. So you're suggesting that's not what the the Israel. This came up in the post, and my 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 thing was that you know Palestine wouldn't have to worry about any of their kids getting killed if they stopped lobbing rockets into Israel. You know, and it probably sounds cold, but the truth is that you know children suffer uh, because of for the sins of their parents Mm -hmm. often. Happens in America, happens all over the world. Palestine is no different. Israel is, has never been an aggressor in, in in these instances. They're not shooting first. Now, people can say, well, Israel is being unfair. It's like they've given these people land upon land. Uh, when Bill Clinton, he had Arafat back in the day in the 90s over in Camp David or somewhere, he offered Arafat like 95% of what they wanted. And Israel said, we'll give them that. And they rejected it because it's really not about some kind of you know equality or unfairness or mistreatment that they're saying Israel is doing. They just don't like Israel because Israel is Israel, and you're not going to fix that by with concessions. So I don't have any sympathy for Palestine. I just don't because I, yeah. I do. If if you attack someone, you get whatever you you know you you get whatever was coming. I I, I that, do agree. With that. that might not be Christ-like. I'm not sure. My, my only my but, quick response to that would be: What if Hoover police showed up and said you need to leave this neighborhood? How would you respond, Emmanuel? I would leave the neighborhood and then complain about it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, that happens all the time. I've been black my whole life, and and police treat me I don't like. Know a, if I believe that statement, have you really? 
I've got pictures to prove it. Okay. I, can you post those on Facebook? Yeah. And police treat me like a Palestinian. They do. Uh, oh. Even recently, I actually I had a Vestavia cop tell me a couple of months ago not to, not you to know, come that, around here anymore. That he better not catch me around there anymore. So. Did he really? No. Yeah. You, you, that was. That's he told exact. the story on the podcast, and you had the exact same response. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I'm getting old. <laughs> I kind of forget things. Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> what did y'all do with Nick and David? By the way, don't I normally? So my wife they got were, a, they were here. Earlier. My wife got okay. a ticket uh, last month from yeah, from Homewood saying that she was trying to evade arrest in her minivan because she didn't know the cop was behind her. So she kept getting over, thinking it was trying to he was trying to go get somebody else. Oh. And every time he got over, she you know she got over, he got wow. over. And when she finally realized she was stopping, he was like, "You are running from me." And I was That's like, "Yeah, wild." Because that minivan, it's made for you know. High speed police chases, which they weren't high speed anyway. Nice. I, I made a face at a cop in Vestavia one time, and oh. he also pulled me over. He didn't give me a ticket, but like that's illegal or something. Oh, I, mean, I shouldn't have made a face at him. Yeah, I was we don't college. need to talk police on the podcast because they might get me in trouble. Maybe so. Well, What's your might, address? Might get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather hug an environmentalist. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's another good title. I'd rather hug an environmentalist. Okay. So, so, uh, so I'll respond. I just. Uh, I don't believe in the blanket. I stand with Israel because I think Israel is capable of doing some really bad things. Um, Agreed. I think, and I think they have done some bad things. Um, well, so what have they but, done? But, That's what I, people keep saying that, but I, I, I don't. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I don't believe they've done anything. I, think, I just I, don't know what it is. I think they've ghettoized some of uh, the Palestinian neighborhoods, that sort of thing. Marginalized some of of the Palestinians inside their borders, inside areas of their control, in an unjust sort of way. Is is that kind of what you're? Aiming at yep, yep, and I think I think the most recent the the destruction of the West Bank. I don't think that was a great thing. Yeah, I think there was a lot of civilian casualties there. And now the argument from most people I've heard is, you know, they broadcast before they bomb or whatever. They do, and 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 the and the enemies of Israel they set up in those places intentionally because they know it'll be bad publicity. I agree. With and that. my thing is, if you're Palestinian, take care of your people. Don't. It's not Israel's job to make sure your civilians don't get hit. It's it's a look. I, I I support Israel a lot, like I support America. Just you know, I don't want to lose my uh, American citizenship or, not, or anything. But we as a country have done some. We're not nearly as bad as the other countries would say, but there is some fire where the smoke uh, of what we've been accused of is. There's been a lot of unjust things Americans have done in the world. Yeah. I think Israel too. But generally speaking, I support I guess both countries. Yeah, and I'm not saying blanket support. I guess the question was, is there a biblical reason to support them? Uh, Chase, you said there was. I would mind. say it's because God has not rejected them. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm gonna, I definitely am going to consider that. And, and I'll say that I, I believe that the the passage of them being, uh, when you're talking about the olive tree, how much easier will it be for the natural branch to be grafted back in? I think that's a prophetic thing of the future. I do think that before Christ returns, there will be a mass conversion to Christ from the nation of Israel, from mm-hmm. Jews, from the nation of Israel, and from all over the world. I think there will be a realization, uh, good gracious, Jesus was the Messiah, and they're going to turn and believe in faith. I think that's prophetic. I think it's, it's yeah. a sign of the end times, but... So you think that's what kind of Romans eleven twenty six all Israel will be saved is kind of angled I think, towards? I think all Israel is primarily referring to new covenant people. Ah, oh, but, but I think, but I think the, but I think the the, the branch being grafted back in is that 
I think there is a future salvation period for yeah. For, yes. for Jews, but I don't think it's the whole. I don't think it's the whole nation. I don't. I do. And not I don't, and I don't yeah. think. I don't yeah. think. Therefore, Israel has a free pass. And I think people who, who normally are against Israel on that in that way are usually reformed. Uh, and let's not take a shot at reform. It's just they have a very specific idea about how how salvation happens. Sure. And so it's like, no, you have to believe Jesus Christ at this particular time in this particular way. And if you don't, there's no way. And I just. I, I'm like I believe that, but Israel is different. I just believe Israel is different, like in a sense. And I'm not saying that they won't they won't believe in Jesus, but but they're not like everybody else. So, so he does believe the whole nation will be saved. No, not so. necessarily. I, I don't necessarily believe the whole nation will be saved in a, in a, in a sense. Um, but I but I but I do believe as a you know all we have is a nation to support because there's 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 so many people there that are not Jewish, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I don't mean nation like as in, uh, an ethnic, uh, you know, ethnic sense more so of, I guess a remnant out of the nation that, you know, um, so I don't believe like every single Jewish person who ever lived is going to be saved. Not if that makes sense. Um, but I do believe a large contingent, uh, will be saved, whatever that looks like. Um, I think I agree with that. All right. Yeah. Look, look I, I don't I know how it's going to happen either. I don't, you know. I want to see revival among Israelis in Israel and, and abroad. I want to see a great move of God happen in, in that country where they turn to Jesus. It used to be my dream to go to Israel as a missionary and uh, hopefully just even not necessarily participate or lead or whatever, but just to see a move of God among those people. Because I, I don't believe they're Christians. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, the, they there certainly are Christians there. I don't believe they're Christians just because they're, quote, God's people. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't believe that. Uh, but I, I want to see them come to Jesus. But I, I believe they have a special grace. I, I think, well, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty – not not a difficult argue to, argument to make that there is something particularly unique about the Jewish people. Yeah. If I could pick blood to run in my veins, it would be Jewish blood. Doesn't Paul say that there's a value, but he considered all those things rubbish? I, I think he does. Christ? I, I, I think he does. And, it, and I think that's a good way to put it. There is value, but ultimately it's not – um, it, it's it it's a rubbish it, sort of value. It can't hold a candle. It can't hold a candle. Yeah, to the value of knowing Christ. Yeah, and he's speaking to people who are kind of cocky in their in their uh, Jewishness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, so, to, and so, to be so much, clear, so much so that they forget history. Right? They say, "When have we ever been slaves?" Yeah, I mean, people. Were, <laughs> you can be a a God fearing. Ten Commandment following, you know, for the most part, Jewish person who rejects Jesus, and, and you will be hell bound because you're not saved by Jesus. Um, that's obviously a, a slightly controversial, but apart from Jesus, uh, all who perish apart from Jesus are condemned. Uh, are they condemned, Joshua, to eternal conscious torment, or I'm just, that's that's actually? I think show. the Lord is going to punish, however, most glorifies Him. Oh, so eternal conscious torment. <laughs> I'm 
want to leave that up to him. I'm just baiting. Uh, All right, guys. Good discussion. I believe that gets us near the uh, 90-minute mark that we always shoot for. We'll close with this. Anybody got any shout-outs to people in the Hall of Dogma? Uh, Argument just broke out. Tom Grant posted, just as God's revelation is progressive, so too is our sanctification progressive. And then him and Dan Richardson are going back and forth about um, – actually, they're, they're going back and forth about Revelation, which I thought the, the, the progressive sanctification would actually spark more debate. But it's, Well, that's interesting. It's a theological slugfest. All right. Everyone's well, shout, invited. Shout out to Dan and Tom. Uh, Dan is uh, scheduled to be an upcoming guest on the show. I'm not sure what the date is. David is kind of doing all that. But that will be interesting to get a, a, a man from Oz on the show. Uh, anybody else? Shout outs to anybody else. I'll shout out to Clint, who I will respectfully disagree with. Nice. So you you kind of on air <laughs> picking a fight with him? No, not picking a Just fight. Just with the whole of course of his life, you respectfully disagree with, or every post, no, or no, namely, namely our back and forth last week on a Friday night. I think yeah. was, Emmanuel was pumped that it was Friday night exegesis. Yeah, they were they were going back and forth about uh, Galatians and yeah, I actually thought what, that was what's the nature of the Galatian today. heresy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were very cordial, though. I just I'm that's going good. To respectfully disagree. That's good with to they were cordial kind. on the outside, but inside <laughs> we they were, were both seething. Yeah, I actually wasn't seething, Clint. Good for and, you. Uh, Shout out to Nathan Martin to, Martin, uh, to keep the uh, streak alive. There you go. He's been mentioned like four times in a row. So. And his brother Jeremiah, who probably has more overall shout outs than him, but less Jeremiah lately. didn't really deserve a shout out. He's, you don't think so? He's rarely in the hall anymore. Since Nathan got there, Jeremiah is kind of, sh- you know, he showed up this week, uh, but uh, last week. But It used to be flipped. Jeremiah was the very active one. Yeah, and, he's and the one who Nathan. invited his brother. Exactly. His brother kind of took over, and Jeremiah has a. Uh, has, uh, He's 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 wilted under the uh, the pressure of being a, a Martin brother, so <laughs> it's got to be difficult. <laughs> Shout out to John Howie who has posted a ton in uh, the Hall of Dogma, but I don't think we've ever given him a shout out before, and that doesn't yeah. seem very nice. Has Jeanette ever gotten a, a shout out? You know what? She's on my list too, and okay. she's well, so then... nice in the hall. She may be the nicest person in there. Yeah, until you bring up contemporary Christian music, then you see how nice she is. Oh, oh good gracious, alive! Is she, she a fan inspired. or an enemy? She's a fan, and she's okay. an enemy of anyone, of anyone who's not a fan. That's right. You're, you're not a big uh, SCC guy, right, Stephen mm-hmm. Curtis Chapman? It's not that I, no. I, I actually, she gave me a CD. She actually gave me a, a, a uh, CD uh, for me to listen to. Was that and, when you was that when you preached a couple weeks ago? She gave you a CD. Yeah, oh, she, she came bad. up to me and I thought I was going to get hit and I didn't. <laughs> and uh, she gave me a CD. Some, All beats American Caucasian women, sixty to say twenty nine or thirty, love Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah, I say all, maybe ninety nine point four percent, but a yeah. lot. I've listened to half the CD. It's pretty good so far. Uh, definitely not corny or cheesy like a lot of CCM is. That's good. He's a good uh, dude in, in real yeah. life, corny or not. I, I like the guy. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin D. from Canada, another guy that's active in the hall we've never shouted out to. Kevin uh, Diner. Diner, Diner, I think. Diner. Uh, sh- shout out to Peter Z. Peter lost it from Perth, Australia. Peter lost his father this week and posted a very meaningful tribute to him. 
Um, shout out to Jared Buckley and, and also a prayer request for Ooh. his son, Noah. Uh, Jared is is from Utah. He's a church planter. He's actually supposed to be on, oh, uh, is he, he's in on the, the show at some point. Yeah, he's in the hall. Not terribly active, okay. but po- possibly not terribly active because just had a – Because he's got a job and responsibilities. Well, he has like that, but uh, kids help issues that are pretty significant. His son, Noah, uh, has had some significant heart problems and just had his gallbladder removed. So pray for Noah's recovery. Uh, shout out to Kevin Sanders, a uh, missionary from Philippines, and uh, Daniel Lee, Corey Drummond, Alex and Chris, and Ian Angus Mackey, our friend from Scotland, who I called Angus last week. <laughs> oh, Angli- Angus is Ian from yes, Scotland. Ian. Or Ian, if... Uh, he prefers that. How did you get Angus from Ian? <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't remember his name, and I just threw out the most, uh, you know, Scottish name I could think of. I guess it was so, some form of American racism or something. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed he by to myself. Say Haggis, but he forgot. <laughs> well, Haggis isn't really a name, but you know, Angus is. We did talk about Haggis. What? Though. Yeah. Are there people running around in Scotland named Haggis? That would be I weird. Don't know. Is Haggis a name? Is Haggis, Haggis Smith? Haggis McGillicuddy. We need to get a Haggis in the hall. H-A-G-G-I-S is a name. How about that? Who wants to be called Haggis? Does it mean what the the food means? Like entrails? Yeah, I guess it does. It would have to. All right. Well, Emmanuel, Joshua, thank you for joining us and substituting for the mysteriously absent Nicholas Jenkins and James David McConnell. Hopefully they will be back next week where they have been parts unknown serving at a Trace Deus weekend doing the work of the Lord. So I don't want to make fun of them too much. By the way, they're making your favorite book into a movie. I saw that. The Shack. Oh, gee. I, who, who, oh, man. Coming to a theater near you. I hope literally nobody goes to see that movie. So, so did y'all read Blue Like Jazz? No. I saw I saw Donna Miller speak about Blue Like Jazz one time. Did you read it, Jason? I've read bits and pieces. I have so, it. So I read it, and I thought it was funny, but I felt like the – I think I feel like it was a kind of existentialist view on Christianity, kind of postmodern. Yeah. Like, well, there's no real – Yeah. Really be sure. Not a ton of substance there. Yeah. He's a good writer. But it was, it was hilarious. Yes. And the good movie I've heard is absolutely awful. Just – Terrible. The movie is absolutely terrible. Yeah, I tried to watch it. It was on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Yeah, so I would, I would like most Christian movies. Okay. So Chase, before yes. we close, if you had to recommend Christians go see one movie, Fifty Shades of Grey or The Shack, <laughs> oh, which would get gosh. the Captain Crunchy seal of approval? If it gunned to my head and it had to be, it had one. to be one of those. Oh. What a horrible choice. You're choosing bad doctrine over pornography? Is that that your choice? Boil down? Which is more dangerous? Yeah. Like misleading bad doctrine? I would guess I would have to say. Would you recommend suicide? (laughs) I wouldn't recommend suicide, no. If you're Catholic, no, don't do it. If you're anybody else, you're fine. You can still still go to heaven. No. The shack by a, a nose hair. Wow. I would I would do Fifty Shades. I uh, maybe that's There's, the right answer. I, I would go Fifty. I, I, Shaq is horrible. I guess it depends on the person. The worst thing about Fifty Shades is there's fornication in it. And and you I don't, don't know if that's a word. I mean, there's a 
Well, there's a lot of it. I mean, I, mean, I assume I haven't seen the movie. There's BDSM in it, which I don't really think is necessarily – the Bible doesn't permit it. So it's, I know Christians have an idea about it, but the Bible doesn't say you can't tie your wife up. Um, uh, let's see. What, where, with where with her permission. Uh, 140, 34. That might be an edit point there. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm, just, I'm just saying. We, yeah, well, it's, it's I guess Driscoll covered that in Real Marriage, did he not? Yeah. Oh, did he? I, he, I, he I don't remember. Yeah, he had a little a little rubric. I don't read about stuff like that. If how, do you, br- how do you know about that? <laughs> about did, what? That, that he covered that in that. I have that book. I bought that book. I like that book. Why did you buy I recommend that why book. Why did you buy that book? For the sex chapter. Did you, wow. uh, did you happen to go to a, a Bible study for that book? Nope, I just went and bought it on my own recognizance. I was trying to pin him, you try to get him. Man. I, I thought he maybe had gone to the, uh-huh. the, the, I, the I small had, group that was yep. doing that book, and yep. I was going to pin him because I've invited man. There were so no many Christians times to bashing that book when it first came out. I figured it had to be awesome. <laughs> because, <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to pin you down for not showing up to our small group. Because keep trying, trying Joshua. Yeah. Perseverance will win the day. Matthew eighteen. Yeah. I'm going to come to your small group one time, one day. One time, I'm already, yeah, he's already a, limiting himself. I'm already in a small group. My wife's in a small group. Uh, I'm not. Bitter. And your group is not small either. You got like 20 people who are in your small group. When, when the kids are there, it's like 40 people. Yeah, we have big small groups around here. Chase, you need to watch them because that that small group is going to become a congregation. You watch, yeah, you know, that, that church split. Worst things half, can happen. Five months church splits coming up. Half of the elders go to that small group. I, I've noticed that. And I'm a little concerned. So I was just saying, church split imminent. <laughs> Help. So when, when Joshua Dean and his permaculture cl- uh, cult uh, oh, yeah. start their own thing. And which elders go to that group? Uh, David and John. Oh, geez. Those are important ones. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I will end with that. Join us next time when you will find out on episode 42 whether or not the Hall of Dogma Church actually split. <laughs> <laughs> Emmanuel's supposed to do contact information, isn't he? Oh, whoops. Nah, it's fine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.